0: How is it going, everybody? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you to the Way of the Wolf. So a lot of our episodes so far have really been focused around leadership and entrepreneurship and and the theme of the show is really how do we become the best version of ourselves? So for me, fitness is instrumental in becoming the best version of yourself. So I am very excited to have a very good friend, longtime coach, guide, mentor around fitness for me over the years, Scott Wells. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, man. I definitely appreciate it. And uh, it's a it's a big honor to speak with you on, you know, the topics as, as far as like health and fitness goes, you know. Yeah. So
0: Tell me a little bit, I, I know, and we'll get into the history of mm-hmm. LSRF, but you and I have been working out together for, uh, God, over 15 years now, and I'm here at the gym. Yeah. We're actually recording at your gym today. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of new things going on. You've got new equipment coming in, you're moving things around, you're tweaking and adjusting. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about what you've got going on at the gym right now.
1: Well, you know, to be honest, the... Uh I know a lot of people, usually when they start off, they talk about how, you know, if uh, if they want to start somewhere, they say, okay, well, to tell my story, I need to start at the beginning. But for me, it's not about starting at the beginning. It's about starting at the end. And a lot of people don't realize that because they've never had the opportunity to make this thing of what I call a death goal. So... First and foremost, I would like to ask you, do you know what your death goal is? I think for me, it's
0: really making a, an impact and a lasting impact, being able to help people to figure out what they want out of life. I know like myself and so many other people that I know coming out of, out of high school and into college, you're just kind of wandering and you don't have a clue, yeah. And it took me until my mid to late 30s to kind of start to get to an, I- an idea. And, you know, I don't have any children of my own, but I'm hoping yep. that by having this podcast and YouTube channel that I can start to impact more and more lives and help them figure
1: out their path soon. Definitely. Well, I got five kids if you want any of them. <laughs> Should I <give> them to? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, for me, I definitely feel the same way you do. I think a lot of people... Um, especially since like this millennial generation, they come out, uh, a lot of things are instant gratification. You know, they're kind of lost. Don't know what they want to do. Um, I don't, you know, that's not a really big knock on them because collectively I feel um, humanity has kind of failed them. But I, where I'm going with this is that I feel if you cannot begin in the end, then you haven't found your purpose in life. Okay. And, for me my death goal okay is to change the world through health and fitness Uh, as you know we have the hill here Mm -hmm. at the gym Uh, right now i'm in the works of finding a tombstone right this the it's going to be the lsrf logo it's going to have my name on it it's going to have 1978 proud owner of live strong run fast i want to put it up on the hill the only thing i want you to do whenever i die is Mm -hmm. just etch when i die right so how does that how does that correlate to um, the beginning mm-hmm. right? Well, a lot of people go through life and they never really live right But I feel if you know your death goal, it becomes extremely simple. You work backwards, right yeah. Anything that I try to do that does not uh, progress me towards helping someone or improving the world through health and fitness, I simply do not do. Mm-hmm. You see, now, now my life becomes simple, right? And I know earlier in the intro, you talked about how um, there was, you know, your <clears throat> other podcasts were about leadership. You know, uh, you said something else, leadership entrepreneurship, and entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I have very different views on that as well. But, um, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, what is success to you? You know, success has nothing to do with uh, dollars and cents for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always nice, right? You can buy shit or whatnot, but like, I think success is is a feeling you have. I feel that you become successful by never truly being successful. You see, it's kind of like this this uh, you're always theory, it. right? Yeah, you're you're constantly chasing it, so. As you said, you said you've seen a lot of changes fixing to happen, you know. um, I feel for the last 19, you know, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. I've been doing this for 19 years. Uh, You've been along that ride for a very long time. Uh, Since, you know, since uh, I was at 24 Hour Fitness, I went to the garage, you were Mm -hmm. with me. All this is now is a bigger garage, right? But um, the last 19 years, I can honestly say, you know, I've never worked a day in my life. I've worked hard. I've worked my ass off more than mm-hmm. anything, right? But it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And I were, you know, I brought this gentleman by the name of David Pham. You know, David Pham baptized me on my 40th birthday. And it took me 19 years to put him in the driver's seat. See, I had to get out of the driver's seat. I am really good at training people, getting them results. Like, you know, it's kind of like but I wasn't good at business mm-hmm. you know people always ask me oh man your, your business is, by definition you've been open 10 years it's successful what do you and i'm like shit i don't know i just treat people right get them results they keep coming back you yeah. know some of them didn't right <laughs> <Some> didn't, <laughs> yeah but that's okay but um and we can talk like i said you know some of them went on and did their own thing and that's i think what makes me like most proud mm-hmm. right is that we've you know, you, you've you heard me talk about this. The function of leadership is to build more leaders, not more followers. Mm-hmm. I think the world is like so backwards right now. Like when people go see Sean Barnes, like mm-hmm. what do they ask? You know, well, how many followers does he have? You know, on Instagram, not, on yeah, Facebook, wherever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And uh, I mean, I guess, you know, do you look at the glass half full or half empty? But I, I don't ever ask how many followers did you have, right? Yeah. Like, how many people have you produced? You know, over, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you've seen it. Over 40 people have left this gym and started their own gym. Yep. And um, which I think is a testament. I want to interject there because it's actually one of the talking points
0: that I did want to touch on today. Mm-hmm. Was I've seen over the past, I think I've been with you for what, 16? We, probably we've added at least 16, up 17 years, yeah. something like that. Definitely like that. And so. I've seen so many people come and go, incredible athletes that got. Amazing results, and then left and then started their own gym. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of speaks to what you just discussed as far as amazing leaders create more leaders. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about like gym ownership training and things like that, that's kind of there's a correlation there. You're, you're you're creating all of these leaders, you're teaching them the skills that they need to be successful. And in this in your realm and world, that is fitness. And I I always do find it comical because I've been to so many of those gyms. Mm -hmm. And whenever they see me walk in the door, as I start talking to them about what is your programming methodology, like clockwork every time, it's like Scott's but better. Okay. (laughs) Tell me why. (laughs) Uh, so in any event, yeah, I think it's incredible what you've done uh, over the years in terms of building other leaders and and people that have started other gyms. So yeah. I can interject a little bit there, but no, sorry, no,
1: no, it's like and you know I, I don't get upset with people when they say it's better. They got to feel that way, right? Yeah. You know, and um, like I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel the same way. You know, I, I I'm proud that these people have went off and started their own thing. At the same time, you know, it's um. You can have a million of them and won't make one of me mm-hmm. you know and i like to tell this story it's uh, so i'm originally from singapore yeah. okay one of the uh national dishes in Singapore is chili crab okay so i'm watching this episode and these two reporters they're going around all of singapore which isn't very big to begin with but it is a uh, one of the culinary experiences of the world right so they're going all around singapore and uh talking to these different chefs and trying to find who makes the best chili crab. Okay. So they finally get to this one guy, and, you know, he's back there smoking a cigarette, and he's making the the crab, and he's showing them, you know, what to mix and how to make it and this and that, and he finally makes the chili crab. So, uh, you know, moment of truth comes, right? And they all sit down at the table, and he's sitting down with them. So they dive into it, mm-hmm. and they're like, holy shit, this is amazing. This <laughs> is so good. <laughs> like, it is so good. And he's sitting there like, Okay, yeah, I already know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the reporters they start laughing hysterically, like sheeplessly, right? Just and he's like, What's so funny? Mm-hmm. Right. And they're like, Well, you know, we we traveled all around Singapore. We did all you know, we looked at different chefs making this and we found you. We got you on camera making, you know, showing us the ingredients, making it the same thing, or you know, how to make it, and everybody will know how to make perfect chili crab now like the mm-hmm. best right and they don't even have to come to you anymore yeah all of a sudden he starts laughing sheeplessly and the reporters <laughs> are like okay what's so funny and he'll say something he said something that I'll never forget he said if you think you can give two chefs the same ingredients and come up with the same product the joke is on you yeah. you know wow. and a lot of times when you step in the room I can say this the laughter goes away and mm-hmm. when you have you know uh when everybody is an expert until you have to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, talk to me a little bit about the history of
0: LSRF because I know it wasn't always LSRF. There were mm-hmm. iterations. Jed Crossfit the Woodlands and and you've your programming methodology has evolved over the years.
1: So, talk to us a little bit about that that story. Okay. Like, uh, so you know, I think and it's good that it, that we're actually talking about it because you know, no one can ever know it. Like. Scott Wells knows it, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one's really gotten it in my head about it or whatnot. And um, I remember, you know, I've, I've been in health and fitness my whole life. Uh, one of the things I wanted to show you, I know this is audible and not visual, like people can't see it, but if you mm-hmm. take a look to your right right here, let's mm-hmm. just move these things. And yep. I want you to look at that and just tell everybody what is the date. Or first of all, tell them what you're looking at. It's What's that right there? Yeah, so it's a, a physical fitness award presented to Scott Wells. Tell me the date on that. Uh, May of 1989. Good Lord. Right. That lets you you? (laughs) I'm what how shit, I'm forty-two. Yeah. A young forty-two, of course. But I mean, what is that? Thirty-three years old? Yeah. Right? Wow. That lets you know I'm not like some joker that just had a thousand bucks and went and opened my own gym or Mm -hmm. said, Hey everybody, let's pull together and pull our money and open a clubhouse. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I mean, you know, there's yeah, that that it seemed it seemed to be the trend for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh (laughs) but yeah, that's that's if you, I mean, if you look behind you, I have all my certifications there. Yeah. And Sean can tell you all, they're not even hung up or anything. Mm-hmm. This one is the one I'm most proud of, right? Because it lets you know, like, hey, you know, I'm not certified. I'm qualified. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. So, you know, getting back to your original question about where did it start? How did it evolve or whatnot? Um, I don't, I, I don't think a lot of people know that, you know, my original uh, job coming into the health and fitness indi- industry was actually in New York and Greenwich Village. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you've known me for a lo- so long, yeah. you probably don't know this. That's when, uh, you know, I was married to my first wife, you know, or mm-hmm. my only ex-wife, right, <laughs> uh, Melanie, <laughs> and uh, she was working with Continental and yeah. we got transferred up to Newark. They had a big base up there. And we were actually staying in uh, North Bergen in, in Jersey. And uh, as she was working, you know, I, I decided to go get a job, and I worked with Equinox up there, yeah. just, like, very brief, right? Because as soon as I basically got on, she got the transfer back to Houston. Mm. When she got back to Houston, um, you know, we were I was in the uh, uh, restaurant industry. I had two restaurants on the underground on the of Houston. I kept, you know, my, my morning routine uh, was just – Wake up, work out, drive to Houston, drive back, work out some more, play mm-hmm. basketball. And I had quite a few friends that were in the health and fitness industry, and I thought it would just be cool to be a personal trainer. Like, I was like, man, the I live that lifestyle already, you know? So um, I basically looked at all different certifications that you could get, and, you know, same thing. You see some of those books back there on my bookshelf. Uh, I went and got... Uh, certified by the National National Academy of Sports Medicine. I got their CPT, their, at the time, their PES, their CES. Um, and, I mean, I probably have 40 different certifications, but when I got into 24-hour fitness, uh, I went in, and within a month, I was at, like, a level three, mm-hmm. you know? Well, basically... I started, you know, um, the mark of a good personal trainer is about you're probably doing like eight sessions a day, 40 hours a month or 40 hours a week. Okay. I had a good friend of mine, uh, Sean Glowacky, and I kind of look at Sean as, man, he really took me under his wing when we first started personal training, showed me the ropes. You know, I still give him a lot of credit till this day. And uh, from there, me and him, I remember we were doing 13 sessions a day. And we were doing that for over six months. We were like praying people would call and cancel, right? Jeez. And, I mean, we were hustling. We were getting after it. Um, I worked at 24-Hour Fitness for a year and a half, you know. And this is, you know, as far as my health and fitness career, branching away from 24, I would say that's where it really – started to blossom and that's the beginning really you Mm -hmm. know not when i was at 24 hour fitness it was after that you know um i always say i got fired or i quit 24 hour fitness i didn't quit i actually got fired Mm -hmm. and at the time you know we're we're killing sessions. Mm-hmm. I remember I was getting called into the office, and they were like, Scott, you can't train people like this. They're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, isn't that the, light? you know? That's the point. Yeah, and I mean, people were like, but no one was ever stopping. They were getting results, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of where, like, this whole thing uh, came about from results are not guaranteed, they're earned, mm-hmm. you know? But these these people weren't leaving, leaving me, like, dr- dry, and, you know, they were... Sp- wet from sweat they were like exhausted but they were seeing results and that's why they kept coming back right so at the time i know uh what's it called a 24-hour fitness you know we had so much turnover and membership and whatnot and i just remember like this 400 pound guy calling me into the office and then all of a sudden my fitness manager came in my uh my sales manager came in the sale uh what is it the general manager came in, so I knew something was going on, right? I was either getting promoted or fired. <laughs> it's like so at the time, I mean we had so many different rules and I and I won't like touch on this, but you know, I was a lot more intrinsic at the time. I would probably say a lot more than what I say now. Wow. But uh but yeah. <laughs> so um so I this this guy told me that I was basically stealing time. You know, so Because we had so many different fitness managers, one fitness manager would say, "Okay, if your client doesn't show, you can go work out. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to clock out." Another one, you know, like three months later, we'd have another one. Okay, if you uh, if you don't have someone, you need to stay on the clock, but walk around. You can't work out. You gotta do this. Another one would say, "Uh, "Clock out, get out of here." Yeah. Another one would say, "Clock out, but you still gotta in work." You know. So basically, I was just like, "Shit, if I'm there, I'm not clocking out, Mm -hmm. right?" And typically we would walk the floor. Um, I wouldn't work out on their time. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, they said, you know, I was uh, they said I was stealing time and I was talking bad about what they call the body bug. The body bug at the time was this thing you wore on your arm, right? You that. remember that? I yeah, do remember see? that. So yeah, it lets you know I've I've been in it a little bit. Yeah. You know, how long ago was that? God, Twenty that years damn there?
0: Twenty years. Right. So I've
1: I've almost forgot a lot about fitness, and that's, that's cool to say, but anyhow, like, uh, I was like, well, that thing's nonsense, you know, like, we're, I'm getting people results, like, mm-hmm. what the hell did I need that for, you know, mm-hmm. so they actually secret shot me, and by the end of that conversation, they said, Scott, I think it's time for us to part ways, and, uh, you know, I had some choice words for him, and, you know, um, probably not very nice things to say, but that's when I did my Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. you know, I came out, and I said, you know, who's leaving with me, yeah. And I had a handful of people that left with me, and I mm-hmm. went to my house. And uh, one of those people was Daniel Fielder. I still train that guy till this mm-hmm. day, as you know. Uh, when I went to my house, my my uh, garage was outfitted with what I call home commercial equipment. You know, so I, I was there for about three months, and then I went to. Uh, Gracie Baja, mm-hmm. you know, right here it's off Rayford. Where you and I met. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, exactly. That's where me and you met. And I was, uh, I had a gentleman's agreement with them to train. You know, out of the back area. I think it was like 500 square feet.
0: Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah.
1: And I did that for two months. The third month, they tried to raise the rent on me. You know, after we had a gentleman's agreement. Mm-hmm. You know, I shook their hand. I mean, yeah. and look. My my word and my handshake is stronger than my signature. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but I knew what they were trying to do. It's like I was taking a lot of the people. You know, um, well, the reality is I I started there exactly. Yeah, that's how. And how, I then mean, I met you and thought, oh, I actually like this better. Yeah, and started training with you. Exactly. So you know, this is kind of like a like a marriage. Mean you got kind of like can't can't get rid of you. But it's like, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So you know. As you know, from there, we went to my house again, Mm -hmm. and that's when phase two happened with full commercial equipment. Mm -hmm. Right then and there, I remember setting a goal, and I said, I need, if I want to be successful, I need to get out of here, right? Never being satisfied, remember? Mm -hmm. And one of the goals I set was I need to get the HOA, the Homeowners Association, to start writing me letters saying that, you know, like, what are you doing here? You've got cars in your driveway Mm -hmm. all the time you're training people and i remember i built that to about 35 people you were training Mm -hmm. there i mean we've had quite a few people training there uh daniel was training there i think all the strippers at st james are training there right (laughs) remember like and i remember daniel like coming over like three hours before his session started and (laughs) like you would pull up to my house you know I literally would have sugar daddies come, like, this is a true story, put $10,000 in my hand, you know, a stack of high society and say, get get this girl in shape. And I remember I would have, like, three or four of these girls pull up, and every guy in the neighborhood had their garage open, <laughs> drinking a beer out of their garage, and these girls are, like, pulling, you know, uh, sleds down the street and stuff. And, you know, sure enough, you know, Daniel was going to show up three hours before a session <laughs> to help out. But, uh, yeah, so... I built it up to where it was just, it w- we were killing it. Mm-hmm. Now, about a year and a half goes by, guess what? I get that letter from the HOA. And at that point in time, I knew I could not afford to not get a space because we were killing it, right? Um, uh, one of the big parts I left out of that story was that's when I became CrossFit. You know, mm-hmm. um at I rem- the, uh, in the in your garage, at, in the garage, the yep. second phase of the garage, because we I remembered the whole time I, I had actually before that I was I was CrossFit when I was at Gracie Baja. The, fir- right. the yeah. first the uh, first the first phase of the garage, I was going to get certified. Mm-hmm. That's when I so. You Know a lot of people don't know this story, you know. Like in the Houston area, I was I consider myself like the third one in the Houston mm-hmm. area. I feel Carlos over at CrossFit Houston was number one, Matt Munson and uh Pam Munson, his wife, uh, they were running CrossFit champions at the pl- time out of their garage. I remember even going over there, and um, they were uh the that was second around ones. 2006 time frame, yeah. Some, I don't. I mean, I've been doing this since 02, yeah. you know. And that's where I come up with that because the methodology in my head has always been recovery based, and mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. But uh, I consider myself the third one in mm-hmm. the Houston area. But you know, during that time when I knew I couldn't afford not to get a space, like uh, backtracking just a little bit, I remember flying out to uh, to uh, California to Santa Cruz, and I think people have this huge misconception; they think I don't like CrossFit, but you know, whenever I went out there, you know, I flew out there to Santa Cruz. I, ro- I rode with Dave Castro to, you know, uh, Santa Cruz headquarters, that the original Santa Cruz that um, everybody was training out of, mm-hmm. right? You know, I was there with Eva T. I was there with Greg Glassman, Brendan. Um, and I remember working out at that original Santa Cruz, and I thought, like, wow, this is so cool. You know, like – getting to work out with, you know, Greg Munson, Pat Barber, um, just all these people, and we were just – you couldn't be happier. We are just killing it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Greg Glassman taught my first certification. Rob Wolf sat to my left. Uh, Brian McKenzie sat to my right. Um, I mean, you can probably look at some super old CrossFit videos, and I'm still on there, yeah. you know. Uh, so I like CrossFit a lot, you know, um, because of the, the culture – and the opportunity it gave people. I think it, you know, there's not too many things that are innovative. CrossFit was innovative. Yeah. Changed the vernacular of you know the way we speak about the gym. You know, mm-hmm. you don't do the workout, you do the why. You don't go to the gym, you go to the box. Now yep. I don't say none of that silly shit anymore, yeah. but it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it really was innovative.
0: Well, I think it whenever you look at CrossFit for me anyways, it was you're right. It was innovative and it drew people in. There was this allure that mm-hmm. brought them in where you could have a community of like-minded individuals. And I think it did so much for the fitness realm because it created that sense of community. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I have my own thoughts. There's pros and cons to CrossFit, in, in my opinion. But I think one thing that is indisputable is the fact that it did create communities so well and that yeah. was what drew people
1: in yeah and I mean a lot of you know um you know Greg Glassman did a phenomenal job and I've spoke about this before and I said you know at the time I wanted to change the world through health and fitness and I thought it was a one-man job I said damn Greg Glassman beat me to it mm-hmm. but really what happened is it's not a one-man job right I need that's why I need more people you know more people will come through live strong run fast and I will start I will produce more leaders I will produce more people because I need those people just like Greg Glassman needed me and all the other affiliates right yep and like I said it's not a one-man job and we have an army of people doing health and fitness you know most people would say it's oversaturated but I would tend to uh, disagree because uh, you know Right now, we're the sickest and fattest as a nation we've ever been, you yeah. know? I mean, that's a fair point.
0: Whenever, yeah, you know, I hadn't really thought about it like that. But when you say it's oversaturated, I think it's probably oversaturated with people that went out and got a certification last week and opened a gym mm-hmm. because it was a cool thing to do. And they don't truly know how to efficiently teach and, and help their clients lift and become strong for the long haul. Yeah. It's about, hey, how much can I, how many snatches for time and and then you start seeing, yeah, yeah, how much, or squad. You start seeing these injuries that start occurring more and more and I think that's one of the the things that I do struggle with from a CrossFit perspective is because there's a lot of people out there but they don't, when the sizes of the classes grow and grow, so you've got 25, 30 people in a class and you've got one person watching, trying to pay attention to 30 people snatching for time, like, I feel like it's just a, a recipe for disaster and opening yeah. it up for people. to I get mean, injured.
1: It, I don't know. I mean, a lot of these places they, uh, you know, if, if you're having that many people, that's great. You know, that's, that's, that's awesome. But, uh, I would say if you're starting to have 30 people in a class, yeah, you need to switch the model and get more people, you know, because a lot of people don't have the equipment mm-hmm. to, to, uh, satisfy that number. But, um, I mean, we have a lot of equipment here, but if that's the thing. If you don't have the equipment to satisfy it, what happens? The programming has to change. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're like the type of person that likes doing that crazy shit, right, 30 snatches for time or whatever, then all of a sudden now the equipment, uh, you know, the uh, programming has to change to, like, burpees or, you know, body weight stuff because you don't have enough bars you you know I think in insurance they call it adverse selection. You become part of this adverse selection, right? Where now now I don't get what I want to do, so I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, you yeah. know. But yeah, I you had said something earlier, and you know I I don't I don't feel that necessarily it's a mistake. You know these people who go out and get the certification. Mm-hmm. Because maybe they truly want to do it, you know? Uh, Maybe they truly want to help change the world through health and fitness, and that's great. Uh, Only time will tell. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, I'm almost 20 years in. I like to look to others that have 30, 40, 50 years before me. You know, I work with a lot of people in the industry that have won the Lifetime Achievement Award in their respective fields. You don't win that thing when you're 18 years old, you know? I know Keith Klein... Wanted. I know Tim Swords won it, you know, and I mean, one is for nutrition, the other ones for Olympic li- weightlifting. You yeah. know, I mean, I don't do a lot of, you know, me right now. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, as I've gotten older and you know, um, basically got off all the steroids and everything. I don't, I don't lift like I used to. I don't do all those things. You know, it's a different mentality. It is. So, talk to me a little bit about your programming methodology because it's one of the things that
0: that just keeps pulling me back Mm -hmm. and um you know as you know like from me traveling and and i've bounced around to other gyms i've uh, but i always find myself back here and the the phrase that i always share with you is this feels like home yeah so your programming methodology is part of what brings me here and it's what helps me get the results that i want to Mm -hmm. see for myself you know i've i've gone all into CrossFit and for my body type. I just, I can't hold on to weight. Mm -hmm. I can't eat enough calories to hold on to weight. Whereas, you know, I, I think I've shared this with you for at one time I, I left here and I started working out at another CrossFit gym that was, very, very, very big into Olympic lifting at the time. Mm-hmm. I think they still are. I think all of them, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but for me, the, the Olympic lifts were so technical that there was this, this draw of like wanting to master something. Mm-hmm. But what I found is after a period of about six, eight months, my shoulders were killing me all the time. My back was killing me all the time. I couldn't hold on to body weight. I dropped like 10 pounds, 15 mm-hmm. pounds. Hadn't changed my diet at all. But I was losing all this weight and I was feeling achy. I wasn't recovering, Uh which you touched on earlier, which is part of your methodology. Yeah. And then I finally decided I came back and within three months, all of my major lifts had Mm -hmm. gotten right back up to where they were, bench, squat, deadlift, all of that stuff. uh, And my body weight started coming back. Again, I didn't change my nutrition. It was all around the programming methodology. So talk a little bit about your methodology Mm -hmm. and and why you've landed
1: on uh, what you do. Look, conscient- when you were doing it, what size were you? How much did you weigh? So at the time, um, so I'm going to pour some more sake. Yeah, but Do sure. you want any more or no? Um, this will I'm help gonna, me no. talk about <laughs> talk tough. about the program. Yeah. So <laughs> it's
0: um. So I think at the time I weighed about 170, which you know hmm. I, I'm I'm six one, so 170 yeah. for six one yeah. is super super light. What size dress were you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, I'm going to take again. this away from you. <laughs>
0: So, but but that, but whenever I came back, and now my weight didn't come back overnight, but I gradually got back up into the 180, 185, which is kind of, I I usually hover around 190, 195 now, Mm. which is where I feel good, strong, fast, lean. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: I've been as heavy as 208 training here years ago. Yeah. Um, But I just, I felt so heavy. But for me, the big thing was just the, the programming. It made such a
1: huge difference, and I saw it firsthand. Well, let me answer it with this. So, Basically, what is Lift Strong Run Fast? Lift Strong Run Fast, in layman's term, is a recovery-based program. You only get better when you uh, recover, not when you train. Mm -hmm. So what I like to call it is a recovery-based conditioning and strength. Not Mm -hmm. a strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. Conditioning and strength program. I... I'm, you know, as as you were saying earlier, I know a lot of people were talking about how big their lifts were, mm-hmm. and you know, I tend to always tell people, I'd ask them jokingly, like, what, "What, you know, that's cute. You can lift <laughs> 700, but what's your mile time?" Yeah, because mm-hmm. I and yeah. I, I say it facetiously, but I'm being absolutely dead grave serious. Your mile time is a lot more indicative of your health and fitness than how much you can lift. Yeah. Right. So if you're asking me what is the technical term, I would say, you know, it is the adrenal response to training stimulus. And what I mean by that is, how are you reacting? What are the chemicals in your body doing? How are you acting, uh, hormonally reacting to your training? Also, as cliche as it may sound, it is a lifestyle. That's why we have this LSRF lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I kind of Uh, cashed in on it by saying you know training traveling trying new things yeah but really what it is it you have to change your lifestyle the way you look at things and if we're if we are really breaking lift strong run fast down right um it's not random fitness okay if you you know here's something random put a bullet in a In a revolver, spin the chamber and -hmm. and take your chances. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. Probably not, right? I like to tell people there's this thing that comes around once every four years. It's called the Olympics. You might have heard of Mm -hmm. it, right? Do you think they go jack around for four years and show up? (laughs) No. they. It's It's very programmed. They have mini-micros, which is daily. They have micro, which is weekly. They have meso, which is monthly. They have uh, macro, which is yearly. And they have tons of macro cycles, right? I think the beautiful thing about what, you know, m- like new people getting into the business, they need to learn the basics. The only reason somebody is better than, at something than you are is because they're better at the basics. What I did was I took the absolute basics, okay, on recovery. So like I said, I'm originally from Singapore. Uh, I took a lot of Eastern methods of recovery, then I started looking at this thing called the conjugate system. Well, where did the conjugate system start? Well, it started in the Russian bloc, but who made it popular here in the United States? Louis Simmons over at Westside Barbell. What did he use the conjugate system for? Well, he used it to get his people as strong as possible. I said, man, that's that's brilliant. How can I use it in a... GPP sense, a general physical prepared sense, you know, mm-hmm. which is different than SPP, specific physical preparedness. We do not do a lick of SPP here, mm-hmm. right? Everything we do is a G. It's a GPP program. So, I started looking at my mini micros, starting with my daily training. How do I do it? First and foremost, you got to understand what the conjugate system is. Okay, conjugate on simplest terms means to couple or link, whether that's training, metabolic pathways, energy systems, you know, and there is an endless array of variety you can put together, okay? As as long as it makes sense. That's the other thing I say. If you cannot explain what you do simply, you do not know it well enough. Later, I will talk to you about a, when I first met Louis Simmons at Westside Barbell. He told me something I'll never forget, and remember, those aren't my words; those are Al- Albert Einstein's words, right? That said, if you if you don't can't explain what you do, yep. simply you don't know it well enough. Well, first you got to know the conjugate system. Conjugate system increases muscle tension one of three ways through uh, repetition effort, right? So that's higher reps. What does that do? It builds hypertrophy and also creates muscle endurance. Okay. That's, uh, you know, things that are 20 reps and above. Now, you've seen – there's some kettlebell workouts where you can do a 1,000 swings in a workout, mm. okay? Um, then you have max or heavy effort. That's kind of like your ones, your threes, your fives. If you've been around long enough, you know, you've seen Jim Windler's five, three, one one method. You know, he was, uh, you know, with Elite FTS, Dave Tate up there. Um, they were pushing that hard many years ago. So – Obviously, uh, that's your max or heavy effort. That's stuff that is uh, maximal weight. But if you've ever heard someone say, move heavy weight fast, that's a a dumb term. You can't move heavy. If if, Mm -hmm. if it's moving fast, it's not heavy, you know? Um, Now, the the part that everybody misses is the dynamic effort. Dynamic effort is submaximal weight moved at maximal speed. I like to tell people that's kind of like your knockout punch. You know, you don't knock someone out just by hitting them easy. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, you turn, you know, where does a knockout punch come from? It comes from, the. it starts at the feet, right? Mm -hmm. The foot turns, the hip turns, shoulder turns, and it exits out of the hand. So what do you have to have in order to have power? You have to have coordination. You have to have balance. You have to have a a whole array of, uh, uh, um, you have to have a lot of these 10 different, physical skills that Mm -hmm. have to come together to create power. But in the normal Western periodization, you don't see a lot of that. You know, you might've been like me that played a little bit of football, some sports in high school. And typically what we saw was like a 12 week block, right? And how did that work? It started with a very low percentage of your one rep max, okay? And you did a lot of reps. And by the end of that 12 weeks, you started getting to a higher percentage and you start and what happened to the reps? They dropped, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Well, in that model, you see a lot of repetition effort in the beginning and you see a lot of max or heavy effort at the end, but nowhere in that model do you see dynamic effort. Like when I was at Westside, those guys are some of the strongest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. They'll miss a max or heavy day all the time. They will never miss a dynamic day. Interesting. So First and foremost, you gotta be educated on this stuff, right? You you have to, you know, whether it's read books or ask people or learn, you know, and that's what I did. I took advantage of the opportunities placed in front of me. And I told you I was gonna tell you about my first interaction with Louis Simmons. Mm-hmm. So I was here at the gym, I was over. Uh, I was, I had called Westside Barbell and this was, I think, God, this had to be close to like eight to 10 years ago because it just popped up on my Facebook where I was up there deadlifting. I think mm-hmm. it was like eight years ago. Okay. Um, but, uh, I call Westside and I say, Hey, you know, I have a question about the reverse hyper. And, um, he, th- this guy answered the phone and he was like, okay, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, um. First and foremost, I know there's a roller model. I know there's a strap model. I understand the way it works. Uh, I just want to make sure, like, I'm kind of hearing it from the pros that know what they're doing. And um, so I started explaining stuff. We started going off on a little bit of, of a tangent. I started talking about uh, Bud Winters. Uh, Bud Winters was a sprint coach. Um, and then I started talking about uh, Verhoshansky, Uh, this uh, Russian guy that kind of put together all the variables for um, the conjugate system. Hmm. And he said, what books have you read? And I started explaining all these different ones. He goes, I've read all these books. And I said, well, who am I speaking with? And he said, well, this is Louis Simmons. And, man, I was taken back. I was like starstruck, you know, because, I mean, man, this is the guy I need to talk to about conjugate, you know. And we started talking about everything, and this was a Thursday, so that was Thursday, and he told me he said Westside is a invitation only gym. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, if you're ever in Columbus, Ohio, please feel free to stop by. You have an open invite. So at the time, uh, a buddy of mine named Dylan that was training here at the gym. He was That's going to Ohio State. I, I, just,
0: I just have to stop you. That is cr- like I legit got
1: goosebumps because yeah. the thought of. For those of you that don't
0: know Westside, uh, there's actually a Netflix documentary that kind of talks through it. But whenever Scott talked about these guys producing the, the strongest people in the world, there is there is truth to that that just can't be. Uh, I mean, I can't even express how impressive that is. And and I know that you went up there, but just like hearing that story, that's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, Louis Simmons is like Louis Simmons is like a living legend. He is. right Absolutely. and uh, so anyhow, as I that was a Thursday. And I always talk about taking advantage of the opportunities placed in front of you. I made a call. I, I I was at West Side Barbell. It was It was snowing. I was waiting at the front door. It was Monday morning. So he gave me the invite. I said, okay, I'm there because I was scavenging the world for knowledge, right? So Dylan dropped me off at West Side Barbell. Here comes Louis Simmons. He pulls up. He says, uh, sir, can I help you? Like, and I said, hey, Louie, I'm Scott from Lift, Strong, Run, Fast. We spoke on Thursday. And he's like, man, get your ass inside. It's cold, you know. <laughs> and uh, so as we went in, he told me, he said, hey, I took a look at your website. And, you know, he was talking to me about it. And I said, well, yeah, you know, I, I really like the conjugate system. Um, I, I uh, wanted to kind of emulate some of the stuff, but differently. And he said, okay. He goes, but uh, he goes, tell me about your system. I said, okay, well, like I said, I wanted to kind of emulate it. I don't do a lot of stuff for body, I mean, for powerlifting, but I want longevity and fitness, Mm -hmm. okay? So even though we both do the conjugate system, my days look very different than yours, you know? And I'll tell you the story how it is, and and then later on I'll explain the days. But I said, uh, my Mondays are my dynamic and repetition lower body days. We do some auxiliary work and we do metabolic conditioning. On Tuesday, that's our max or heavy effort upper body days. And uh, all we do it's other exercises to get stronger uh, at the core lifts. And then I got to Wednesday. I said, that's our recovery. And then he stopped me. He said, stop. And I was like, okay, uh, did I do something wrong or mm-hmm. what? He goes, I know. He goes, I can tell you know what you're talking about. I said, oh, okay, well, thanks. You know, he goes, I looked at your site. He goes, I do that to a lot of people. He goes, uh, he told me, he said, if I would have asked you, tell me about your system, and you would have said, like, huh, like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, explain, uh, what, what do you, how do you want me to explain it? He said, I would have told you to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right. Here's the thing everybody's an expert until you have to prove it. Mm-hmm. Just tell, tell me how, tell me how your system is better than mine. So, which circles back to
0: my comment earlier, how many times I've heard like Scott split better? But they cannot go
1: into the why behind it. Yeah, it's like I mean, what Simon Sinek says—you got to know the why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you don't know the why, what the fuck are we? What the fuck are we talking about? This <laughs> <laughs> is like you know. But, uh, but yeah, so my um, so I'll piggyback off that and kind of go over to programming. Okay. So, we work obviously in our mini micro, which turns into a micro. Okay, which is a week. So my Mondays are my dynamic repetition lower body days. We do some auxiliary work, ancillary work, and we do metabolic conditioning on those days. My Tuesday is my max or heavy effort upper body days. My Wednesday is what I call my recovery preparedness days. And I'll explain that. We are recovering from Monday, Tuesday, preparing for Thursday, Friday. So now the program flips. My Thursday is my dynamic or repetition upper body day my friday is my max or heavy effort lower body day saturday is like a wednesday sunday is completely off or light conditioning mm-hmm. okay in that micro cycle you get 48 hours of recovery between your lower and upper workouts and you get at least 72 hours of recovery between your max or heavy effort workouts. That's about how much time you need the nervous centrum the, the the central nervous system to recover from those type of workouts. That being said, I do like some things that CrossFit did. How many times do you see people come in here and they can't even get through a simple exercise, right? And it's because their work capacity is not done or built up. Hmm. It's because they're, you know, People don't realize that you could have squatted your whole life and been doing it incorrectly, but now you're doing it correctly. Your nervous system is not engaged the way it's supposed to, and then we get you your motor recruitment patterns firing properly. Now your nervous system has to think about that, and all of a sudden you're messed up from a bodyweight squat because you're just like, man, I I, I, I thought I was supposed to be on my toes the whole time, you know? which also remember i told you there's infinite possibilities mm-hmm. what did we just do last week we did toe squats right yep. how many times how many times have have you done that at any other gym no right never never right but here's the thing anybody should be able to squat properly mm-hmm. right and proficiently efficiently and with good form but what happens when you get out of form and and you get injured see i questioned that were you if you got injured and you just swayed a little bit or any, anything, how strong were you to begin with? See, that doesn't make sense to me. A lot of people look at the squat, especially in the Western hemisphere, they look at the squat as a strength exercise. What's the first thing people ask you when you go into the gym? Mm-hmm. How much can you squat, man? Yeah. Or I mean, bench. Or how much One can you other bench? Other. Yeah, probably yeah. bench, right? They're talking <laughs> people like always want a bench, but it's like, how much can you squat or bench? But this is pertaining to the squat. The squat is not a strength exercise. In reality, in humanity, the squat is a resting exercise. That's where a lot of cultures, people, uh, converse from in that squat. That's where people eat from. That's where people shit from. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the proper bending and folding of the organs in your body, you won't use the restroom correctly. And I can see that if you can't sit down, you know, how many times have you, you've seen us just sitting in the squat position, mm-hmm. right? Ask somebody that can squat seven hundred. How long can you sit in that squat position? Can you hold it for an hour? Yeah. Try, and all of a sudden shit starts. You know, intrinsic muscles start vibrating and everything, and like <laughs> you know. And remember, there's an old Chinese saying. It says, "Being still and doing nothing are two different things." Do you understand how to be still? Just hold that bottom squat position and see if you can do it, you know, because if you can't, you know, what is strength without flexibility, cardiorespiratory endurance or control? You're just you're just a strong piece of muscle like, you know, I think they call it a meathead. Right. (laughs) But uh, but for me, that's what I believe in. We're, and guess what? You're not going to believe in that, right? If you're somebody that says, man, I really love yoga, right? I want to be at the place where, you know, they're telling me to close my eyes, feel the zen, feel the body flow. You know, is your erection getting harder? Like, I, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing that bullshit, right? It's like, I mean, I and I do yoga. I'm not doing yeah. that kind of yoga, yeah. right? It's like, you know, it's like, but... What we do here is I I always get people who come in and I said, you will see fast results, but the results I truly want you to see are not going to be immediate. They're going to like for you instance, Mm -hmm. for instance, right? Like, you know, if you ever get a girlfriend and have kids or whatever, (laughs) right? (laughs) The results I want you to truly see are when your kids have kids and you are able, right? Cuz a lot of people are not able to do things because of their health and fitness. You know, they get to 70 years old and and they feel old. Mm-hmm. 70 is not old. Yeah. In our lifetime, I truly feel 70 is the halfway mark. But you know, we can go, I mean, dude, I can talk about all this shit, right? It's like I can talk about the life and death paradox I kind of coined. And <laughs> I mean, that one is like so good, but it, it all starts with mindset.
0: It does. And, and so, you know, another aspect of, of fitness and, and well-being that I came to realize over the years was how important nutrition was. Mm-hmm. And, and you touched on it earlier. It's not just a lifestyle. You can't just go into the gym, eat like crap go drinking, partying on the weekends, mm-hmm. and just lift heavy all the time and expect to see the results that you want. You see yeah. some people that that kind of do that, but they are they don't look like they're in shape. Yeah. They might be strong, but you wouldn't, if yeah. you just saw them on the street, you wouldn't think that they went to a gym. Yeah, or, what's the cliche
1: term? Like, you can't train out-train a bad diet. You can't out-train a bad diet. As yeah. I pour another glass of sake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so talk to me a little bit about nutrition. You know, one of the things that early on whenever I was training with you in the garage and I was complaining about being so skinny. I think back then I was maybe even less than time. We but went
1: through so many different look, it's chapters, right? It, yeah. That's what I tell people. People can change, things can change. It's mm-hmm. called chapters. They're in a book. You ever read one? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like yeah. some but some but it's not a popular thing now they read, right? And yeah. but it's I mean I know with you, we mm-hmm. went through, like, the GoMad diet. That's mm-hmm. when I was, you know, out there jacking around with Coach Mark Ripito, right? Yep. yep. Gallon of milk a day, <laughs> right? <laughs> God, I don't even drink milk anymore. I don't even, like, you know, the way I eat now is very different than the way I ate then. You, you said something to me back then that just always stuck with me is
0: because I was <sighs> complaining about not being able to bulk up. Not being, uh-huh. and you're like, well, damn, if you stop eating like a bird then yeah. it wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be an issue. I think I eat like a bird now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was, so, I mean, that really hit me. And which that's a whole other topic, which I, I appreciate you and how um, direct you are. Mm. Some people struggle with that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. You know. um, but yeah, the nutrition aspect of kind of the LSRF lifestyle. Talk to me a little bit about kind of just a few things that you've
1: learned over the years. I think that's a good question, you know, Um First and foremost, I think you got to know who you're talking to. You know, if I'm talking to one of my friends, I can be, you know, frank and blunt. And, you know, maybe if I'm trying to talk to a girl and get her number, maybe I'm not speaking (laughs) like that, right? But uh, just kidding, Nicole. I'm not trying to get anybody's (laughs) number. But, but, um, yeah, so the LSRF lifestyle, and that has only been successful because it has failed so many times okay that's uh the reason I say that is a lot of people put themselves in the middle and they look to the left and see failure and they look to the right and see success and I don't look at it like that. I put myself at the beginning and then there's failure 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 and then it becomes success mm-hmm. right and the reason I explain it that way is because, We've had, we have had we have had a lot of chapters and tried a lot of things. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of giving a review on something that I've actually done. Mm-hmm. If I was never a vegan, I couldn't give you a review. If I was never a carnivore, I could never give you a, re- a review. You know, um, because I do not want to be one of those people that say, you know, oh, well, those shoes are terrible. You shouldn't be running in those. And they're like, well, what was your experience? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I've never bought them.
0: I don't like them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: or whatever it Mm -hmm. is, right? But over the years, and, you know, a lot of it was working with Keith Klein. A lot of it was working with Kyle Jessup. A lot of it was figuring it out on my own, you know? Um, And I started figuring out that these things like keto, paleo, um, whatever oh right mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like they they're not terrible diets mm-hmm. but if you need that to get on track maybe that's what you do like i feel a healthy person understands what healthy eating is because we all know what unhealthy is right mm-hmm. if i told you hey let's eat mcdonald's three times a day that everybody knows that's unhealthy who doesn't right I I try to use this thing in everything called universal ruling, okay? Whether I am in the United States, whether I'm in Singapore, Pakistan, anywhere in the world, if I put something into my pocket and walk out of that store, Mm -hmm. what does that consider? Stealing, right? Anybody who challenges that is generally looked upon as idiotic, Mm -hmm. right? So... If somebody says, yeah, well, I eat McDonald's three times a day and I'm super healthy, mm-hmm. you're probably an idiot, right? Yeah. So you, in the same token, you know, everybody's going to have an opinion. Everybody has their way of eating, right way of eating. And I'm not saying mine is superior. That's just the way I do it, okay? Um, and it breaks down to what I call nutritional division, and not intermittent fasting, but an intermittent lifestyle. Because I'll go six weeks of fasting, mm-hmm. right? And I'm and I'm good. You know, I'll go uh, for a good amount of time of, you know, eating salads. But if I want a steak, I'll eat it, you know? Yeah. Typically, I don't like eating red meat. But, yeah. I mean, I get a craving every now and then, and I do it, you know? Uh, but, you know... I'll give you another example. If me and you go to Singapore, Mm -hmm. right? You 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 actually are very regimented. Probably the most fucking regimented person I've ever seen with eating. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) but uh, if we go to Singapore and you don't enjoy the sights, the sounds, the food of that culture, you know, we go somewhere and we sit down for chili crab and we're eating chow kway tao and we're eating all these like awesome Singaporean foods, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like nope, I got to have my brown... I'm I'm boring Sean right now. I got to have my brown rice, chicken, and broccoli, right? Mm -hmm. To me, that's an eating disorder. Yeah. Because a health... And and a lot of people have to change their mind of what is a healthy person? Mm -hmm. What is a healthy mindset? Because it's not always physically in the body. It's cognitively in the mind. And if you are the type of person that does that, man, I, I just... I think that's unhealthy because you can enjoy those foods. Mm-hmm. And then when we get back home, guess what? I'm back to I'm back to my regimen. Yep. You know, because man, it, you you you've trained here 16 mm-hmm. years, right? I said I can't get rid of you and it's like <laughs> you you know, your lifestyle is is training hard, eating correctly, mm-hmm. you know, but you also enjoy the Fruits and labors of your hard work, mm-hmm. right? You can go have that pizza if you want it, yep. you know. And we don't have that regimented nutrition. Remember this: the first word of diet is die, mm-hmm. right? You, if you don't, I, I don't, I don't like fad diets. I don't like diets where they cut out stuff. You know, I don't like, you know. Take for instance keto. Mm-hmm. Keto has to be the, in my opinion, like, no one's doing real keto. I think real keto is like 20 grams of carbs a day, right? That's, that's but ridiculous. But look at this. How many times have you heard this? And this is the same with testosterone. This is the same with, like, hormone replay. all this bullshit, right? It's a business, man. You can do my keto, mm-hmm. right? You can do my keto. On my keto, they allow you 100 grams. Yeah. Because we can drink this little silly bullshit, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, what? That's not keto then. You know? It's like Louis Simmons told me. He said, you are not truly doing West Side Barbell unless you are at Columbus, Ohio doing West Side Barbell, mm-hmm. you know? Because then you're not really getting Louis. You know, you're not getting. So that's a good point. And, you know, talk to me a little bit
0: about. Your programming methodology, it has, uh, it's very consistent, and has been over the years. I, I love the results, and there have been mm-hmm. a few times when we've had some conversations about mm-hmm. can, well, actually, you, you've, oh, I think you like had a few other locations at different points, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, things yeah, like that. Um, have you ever considered having your your methodology or your programming uh, available online for people to purchase? And I, I know that. You know, it's, it's not Scott Wells doing the training, but the, the programming, like for someone like mm-hmm. me who travels all the time to have access to the programming itself, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think that's extremely powerful. So my question is, h- have you thought about doing something like that? Well,
1: that's why I got out of the driver's seat is because I didn't know how to scale all those things. Mm. With David in the driver's seat, now we're seeing this major opportunity mm-hmm. because a lot of people, you know, are like yourself. When they do the programming, they're like, holy shit, I've never trained like this ever. Yeah. You know, you know, I had a girl come from, you know, the gym, the uh, a different gym the other day, and she goes, they're always trying to make me go heavy. I said, well, you know, you always hear me tell new people, if, you, if this is the place you think you're going to get jacked and heavy and lift <laughs> heavy and all that stuff, guess what? That's just not what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, when is the last time you told me someone, heard me tell to someone uh, go heavier? It's like, I don't. It's like, range of motion, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, we want to get, we want to get strong uh, and strong isn't always just weight on the bar, Mm -hmm. right? Can you actually touch your toes? You know, can you walk to the mailbox without getting out of breath? Can you squat off the toilet with a newspaper without injuring yourself? Yeah. You know, can... You know, I'm more concerned with flexibility and mobility, but,
0: but like... A, but to that, so to that point real quick, I'm just going to interject here. So whenever I do travel, or, or even you know that I train mm-hmm. at, at Legacy Barbell because it's like right next to the house. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Henry Walker's Henry place. Henry Walker, yep. yep. <clears throat> so whenever I'm training there or if I'm training at anywhere that I go whenever I travel for work, which obviously I haven't as much this past year, uh-huh. but I always get people coming up to me and, and asking me like, hey, wh- what are you doing here? What what exactly are you training? Uh-huh. How like where did you come up with this? And and I was, you know, obviously talk to him about you, but um yeah, it's it's I think it's there's something to that. Yeah. If every definitely. gym I walk into, people are watching and like, oh well wait, what what is he doing? That's okay. Some I weirdo like shit that. Scott Wells did. came up with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or seeing how like I squat. All the way to the floor.
1: Um, which not uh, a lot yeah, of it's do. it's very sad that people would think that's a weird move, right? I, exactly. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, <laughs> that's... I hope you never drop something in your life. <laughs> 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 so, in any anyway, event, sorry, go ahead. No, but like, yeah. So you know, I'm I'm the same way. I mm-hmm. can walk into any gym, mm-hmm. anywhere, town, uh, world. Yeah, right. And I feel the training we do. Um, Makes, you know, earlier you had said something about you wanted to get really at some of these gyms with the snatches, you wanted to get great at one move. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to be great at one move. I want you to do, I want you to be good at a lot of things, great Mm -hmm. at nothing. You know, it's the same thing I tell my kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Don't tell me one thing, tell me five things. Mm -hmm. You know, I want you to be able to, I mean, how many times have you seen myself, right? Become an Olympic lifter, become a... Uh,
0: boxing, boxing long distance, distance lifting, running, longest,
1: like yeah. you know, what else is there? Power I I mean, lifting, like yeah, yeah I mean, power I've seen, lifting. I've seen all of it, and that's that's a crazy mm-hmm. thing, you know. I I've never power lifted in my mm-hmm. life, you know, but I was putting up some respectable some, numbers, yeah, and some I mean, serious you, weight, yeah, due to steroids that I that I did. You put up some <laughs> fucking serious numbers, also, right? <laughs> it's like, but it's like the um, yeah, it's I I want you to be able to uh, it, you've heard me say this: the biggest compliment that you can pay me, is saying, you know what? I left Scott's gym because we run too much. We really don't even run that much. We, we run, right? We do. But it's enough to say, you see, the, remember, it all starts in the mind, okay? And let's say you came in here on a Friday, which is a max or heavy effort lower body day. Mm-hmm. What do you? And let's say it's at the end of the month, so what are we going for? A one rep max, right? Yep. We don't one rep max all the time, but at the end of the month, in, a, in this thing called the cycle, mm-hmm. we do it so four weeks at the end of the month, you come in Friday, you're ready to see squat for a one rep max. Mm -hmm. But then it says five. run a 5K up there before, right? The mindset, the mindset has to be no problem. Let's go knock this 5K out. I'm fixing the fucking PR, Mm -hmm. right? But you go other places and there's bitching and complaining and this and that. No, I've trained you to where you can do a lot of things very well
0: um yeah it, it, and on an episode let's see i guess from the time this releases two weeks ago mm-hmm. i was having a conversation with chris tarver which you know he's trained here quite a bit over the yeah years. I, I
1: i wish i didn't know him but yeah <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> but i was having a conversation with him and i talked about i went to canada in 2017 mm. went up to Banff national park and spent an entire day mountain biking i remember that, that. i remember yeah um so I was out there riding for six, seven hours. And whenever I was riding back to the bike shop, I was able to drop in to a CrossFit gym and mm-hmm. hit the workout with every single person there and put up respectable numbers and have a good workout. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was such a huge testament to this lifestyle mm-hmm. that you have helped give people the opportunity to create. You've given them the tools to know how to be strong, be flexible, eat mm-hmm. healthy, healthy, um, have good uh, good conditioning, all of these things, and so it is. It is a lifestyle that helps people be very well rounded to drop in wherever and do anything. Exactly,
1: and what you get here, I always tell people: the main thing you're going to get here is an education, mm-hmm. right? Like, same, like I said, I keep referring back to my kids. It's like the coolest thing you can be is smart, mm. right? It, you might think. You know, the coolest thing you can be is the quarterback and all that shit. But what happens when you break your leg and nobody wants to draft you? You know, what you put in between your ears, they can never take away from you, right? The coolest thing to be as smart, and that's what I did, was I tried to be as smart as possible. And I'm still trying to be as smart as possible, right? I'm a student forever. And I just, um, I, I you know, I'd like to talk about this one thing that I've been really preaching about lately and when i was younger i was like i said i was scouring the world for knowledge if you told me to go overseas i was there you know you tell me to go anywhere in the country i was there and i made up at in the first three years of my actual quote career i probably made up 10 years right but because i was everywhere and It was, And I'm sure you've heard this. I'm sure you've read the Talent Code. It talks about 10,000 hours or 10 years. You know, 10,000 training hours makes you an expert. That is probably the biggest bunch of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. And you don't understand it until you put 10 years in. Yeah. Because at 10 years, what that got me was my foot in the door, right? It got my foot in the door, and I got to see the... Steve Cotters, the David Wex, the Tim Swords, Mark Ripito's, Glenn Penley, rest in peace. Right, but it's uh, I got my foot in the door, and what I like to think it was that they were like, okay, young man, you you've put in some time, but s- sit there and play your position. Mm-hmm. Don't don't come in here thinking you're hot shit because we've got forty years. Yeah, right. So they allowed me in i got my foot in the door i walked around it'd been 12 years 13 years and about 15 years in you know steve cotter says would you like to go to the nike fitness conference with me in uh shanghai and man i'm on cloud nine i'm living my dream we get finally getting out teaching these certifications for ikff i'm with steve cotter i'm you know at the nike fitness conference and i'm People are asking me, like, man, what do you do? And I have this thing, you know, obviously in in China, I was wearing my uh, Strong Run Fast Chinese shirt over there, and people were like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And people started really taking to it. Now now I had other fitness professionals that had 20, 30 years asking me, well, what is it you do? Man, I I finally got to pull up a seat at the table, Mm -hmm. right? I wasn't just walking around anymore because now they're asking me, What is it you do to stay in shape? How is it that you can go to any gym anywhere world, and do well, right? But it was also between ten and fifteen years, I started gaining something more important than knowledge. I started gaining humility, right? And that's when it became very evident when people would say silly nonsense like, "Well, it's like Scotts, but better." Remember, silence is golden. I never had to chirp up and say anything. Because when you heard it, I was nowhere around. Yep. But in your head, what did you tell yourself? Okay. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> right? But so now that I'm 19 years in, I feel I've gotten some, you know, I've, I've gotten some humility about myself. And what does that, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time to capture humility. What do they say about humility? People with humility don't think less of themselves. They think of themselves less. And what have I always said? That's why Lift Strong Run Fast is going to be extremely successful. It's because I don't want it. I want you to have it, the benefits that I have seen. Mm-hmm. I You know, this is like the fountain of youth over here. People that have trained with me, and you've seen it, that have trained with me for 15 years say they feel better at 35 than they did at 25 or 40 or whatever, right? Now after you gain a little bit of humility, now you got to gain this thing called wisdom, right? And we always talk about leaving the world as an old wise man. And I I joke around about this analogy, but I'm being dead serious. I I always tell people, you should always learn something from your father, you know? And and I've always kind of been hard-headed, and maybe I'm still hard-headed, but you know, in the beginning, when you first started dating, you get mad at your girlfriend, argue with her. What'd your dad tell you? I don't know why you keep arguing with that woman. You're never gonna win that, right? And, uh, but you know, in the when you're younger, you're like, oh fuck that oh, shit. Oh, I will. It, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll win watch. it. Fuck, watch, watch me. <laughs> watch me, motherfucker. I'm gonna talk this bullshit, right? <laughs> and it's like, so uh, as you get older, right, and you have, you saw it didn't work out for you. You started saying like. Okay, just let it slide, and you started to understand. Your dad always knew what he was talking about because he had that wisdom. He was the old wise man that was like, "Just be quiet, right? You're not going to win that." Yep. And that that takes a lifetime to learn, right? That's why. I mean, man, I could sit here and tell you so many good stories about you know, Wing Chun. There was a there was a uh, Wing Chung uh, instructor, a Buddhist monk. I This was many, many years ago. I went back to Singapore, and I have a friend that's a Buddhist monk. His, his name is Chun Wei. And as I was walking around, right, and you know what? This is when we were at uh, Gracie Baja, yep. because I remember these guys doing the rowing workout. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had left before then to go to Singapore. So... Chun Wei's taking me through the Buddhist temple. And he sees this older gentleman, 95 years old. He he's walking around, he's fine and everything. He doesn't speak English, but he tells Chun Wei to come come to him. So I walk over there with him and he's speaking to him in Mandarin and he says, uh, like, who is this young man? The guy's grabbing my arm, like, wow, you're you're strong. Like he said, this is a strong, like American boy, right? <laughs> and uh, he said, he's my friend from America. And he said, Well, what does he do? He's so strong, you know? And um, he said, uh, Well, he's really into, you know, training, health, fitness. He does his own thing, blah, blah, blah. And the guy said, uh, He says he wants me to translate for you. Okay. So Chun Wei starts translating. He said, um, He said he's 95 years old and he does Chinese wushu, which is a form of martial art. Chen Wei's translating. He says he wants me to tell you that he started doing Chinese wushu when he was five years old. So he's been doing it for 90 years. He says people around here will call him sifu, master, but he's always the student. And and I remember he says never, never stop learning. You know, never stop learning. At 95 years old doing it for 90 years, I learn from the younger generation now. I, I I see what they do and I learn from them. Even though that's what I always tell people, how do you know you're a master? How do you know you're you're not good but great? You you will never know. Other people will tell other people that you, you are though. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you if imagine that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm great. Like who who the fuck are you? No, right? You, not, that's yeah, you're, you're just, not great, you're cocky, right? That's yeah. that's a difference. But like everybody there knew he was the master, right? He was Sifu. But in his mind, he's still a student. Yeah. You know, you just never stop learning.
0: So that actually is a good segue into one of my talking points. In your your fitness journey over all of these years, what is one of the, the biggest lessons
1: that has stuck with you? Hmm. Oh, man, that's... I mean, like you know, how much time do we have? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, because there's a lot, right? There, are, there are so many, and like I said, it's it's like chapters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think I would like to probably put it as you know, in health and fitness, and life, and manhood, fatherhood, all those kind of things, mm-hmm. right? It's like you're trying to put together a puzzle, mm-hmm. but it has constantly changing pieces. And, you know, you are, you are constantly adapting, changing, you know, pleasing, sometimes giving resistance. Sometimes you got to stand up for yourself, right? Sometimes you got to say, uh, you know, like Warren Buffett, he says, the hardest thing to say is no. Uh, you're not going to please everyone, you know? I mean George Steinbrenner said if if you're pleasing everyone you're not doing you know and pissing off no one you're not doing your job correctly. Um nowadays, you know, I tend to look at uh things differently. You know, I I I don't um I don't train as hard as I used to, you know. But I get my health and fitness in, you know, I'm very cognitively strong versus physically strong. Now, I uh you know, many years ago, I could walk into any gym and you know, remember me, me and Lucas or Lucas and I used to walk out there and pull five hundred pounds cold, mm-hmm. you know, no warm ups, nothing, just lift it and laugh and you know, probably why my fucking back hurts now. <laughs> but it's <laughs> like uh, you know, I would say that people thought I, I was dangerous then, right? Like, man, this guy can... I mean, shit, remember, like, they stopped me from doing some competitions here because oh, yeah. they knew I'd win it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I would say now, like, if you thought I was strong back then, if you thought I was dangerous back then, you, you have no idea. Like, I am my most strongest and dangerous now because i don't have any of those steroids and drugs flooding my system Mm -hmm. my mind thinks absolutely clearly this is when i'm my most dangerous 19 years in i i feel i've been on vacation for now i feel like i haven't even started right i feel like i have and and like i said it's a mindset i I told you i would tell you about the life and death paradox and we'll get to that here in a second but you know with david fam coming on with the community we have now you're about to see lift strong run fast go to a completely different level that it hasn't been to Mm -hmm. because now you know I, i i had to fail for 19 years you know to to get it to where it's at now and uh I feel so good about it now. I'm so happy for, like, you and everybody else to be part of it and to show people, like, you know, I I can tell you this, and you can tell it in my voice. I speak a very different language than a lot of people, and it's it's not Mandarin, you know. I always joke around and say I speak English and bad English. That's it. But I do speak a foreign language. It's called passion, and unless you have been passionate about something you won't you will think it's gibberish but when you have understood passion you can he- clearly hear it in someone's voice right you can clearly understand it because you you understand it fluently because you know what it's like but uh yeah after 19 years like I said this place is about to we've got so many cool things about to happen uh, it's going to be so attractive Mm -hmm. you know but at the same time we will speak to people that believe in what we believe in and those that don't you know we won't waste our breath
0: yeah so tell me about this paradox
1: oh yeah shit I've been kind of feeding it (laughs) in there the whole (laughs) time I know you've been like a sudden little yeah it's like I keep forgetting maybe it's the sake but it's like (laughs) so let's see um I I think it would. I remember explaining it when I was in Bangkok. I was at the Asia Fitness Conference. I had met Steve Cotter in Bangkok, Um, and just to give him a little plug, my friends in Bangkok, Rob Cook and Dylan Castle. If you were ever in Bangkok, go to New Moves. Those guys are top notch. They're awesome. But uh, I I I got invited, and you know I met Steve Cotter at the uh, Asia Fitness Conference. And it was the same thing, you know. I felt like I was sitting at the table with a lot of the big names of the health and fitness industry. And I was speaking to a lot of them. And everybody was giving different views on different things. And finally, you know, the kind of like, uh, I guess like my turn came. And I said, well, I look at something like, I, I look at things like this. And I call it the the uh, life and death paradox i've never heard people talk about this maybe this can be something i can coin right maybe i trademark this i don't know but let's say so i'm 42 but let's say i'm 40 years old because at the time i was 40 when i when i talked about this so i said there's probably a lot of people in this room between the ages of 15 to 80 right but if I were to die at 40 years old, what would people say? You know, they would probably say, like, damn, man, It like, he left behind at the time. I think I had four kids. I got, like, five kids now, you know. Um, he left behind a beautiful family, you know. He was so passionate about health and fitness. He left behind, like, his gym, you know. People would be sad. I'm sure some people would be happy, but, you know, people would be sad, right? And, um, but the main thing to take away here is they would say at 40 years old, man, he left us too young. He was too young to die, which is crazy, right? Because on the flip side of that, I'm sure you have some friends or you have heard when they start approaching 25, 30, 35, 40, they're like, oh my gosh, shit hurts. It sucks getting old. Well, that's the paradox, right? You're... You're young in death, but old in life. Shit doesn't make any sense. So I said you have to you have to start looking at things differently. It has to be a mindset. And what I told them was, you have to start treating your body like a diesel engine. Now, obviously, you got to know a thing or two about a diesel engine. They're hardworking. They go for a long time with minimal maintenance. I mean, they need mm-hmm. some maintenance, right? But where I went with this people were really surprised. I said, for every 25 years of life, that's 100,000 miles on a diesel engine. Here's the kicker, and you know a little bit about mm-hmm. cars. You know, we're, we're big truck fans here in Texas, right? So you got your big diesel truck, and if you were to go buy a diesel truck tomorrow with 200,000 miles on it, what would people say? They'd be like, man, the thing's just getting broken in. Yep. So at 50 years old... You're just getting broken in. You see what I'm saying? You, shit, you still got another 200,000 miles in you. But people don't think like that. Remember, it starts in the head. If you don't think that way, you won't. You won't be like that. And, you know, I had a phenomenal coach in high school. His name was Don Johnson at Montgomery High School. And when I grew up, I always remember I was, like, always the non-black kid on my team. I played basketball, like, and I was a hooper, right? I mean, I went to school on basketball scholarship, but I remember we'd play, and all the white kids, we'd go to places like Willis, Navasota, you know, like, Cold Spring, Madisonville, and these people got fucking athletes jumping out the gym, right? I mean, they are amazing. And I remember going to these places – and, you know, some of the white kids a lot were were like, oh, shit, we're going to get stomped, you know. <laughs> and I was like, what are you all talking about? Like, go out there. These people put their pants on, put their shoes on, bleed the same bl- red blood you bleed, you know. And he said, if you don't think you're going to win, you're not going to win. That's why it all starts in the mindset, right? Because... I always play – I, I play point guard my whole life, right? I'm a little shorty, mm-hmm. you know? And as soon as tip-off went, I would get the ball. I would call a screen. I would say, get me the best player on your team because I'd start my dribbling. I, and I was like, I am going to break this person down <laughs> to where they know right off the rip these other guys might be scared but I'm not about no bullshit. Let's go, right? Mm -hmm. And I would take them to the hole, and I'd automatically get their respect, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's all in the mind. Mm -hmm. If you don't demand it and you don't have it, it won't be given and you won't get it. And like I said, it's. uh, I see so many people thinking like they're old at 40, old at 50, old at 60. You know, when I go back to Singapore, I literally see like... 90 year old women with a cup and a toothbrush, like in a 10 by 10 foot section of tile, like squatting all the way down to the ground, scrubbing the grout to keep it, make it clean. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but it's like I think a lot of people here just don't have the mindset of, I mean, I hear all the, all the time, oh man, it sucks getting old. I'm like, bro, you're not old. Like, what yeah. the hell are you talking about? You know? <clears throat> So,
0: we've we've covered a whole uh, like a whole gamut of of topics, specifically ar- around fitness. Uh-huh. And for for those people that might not know a lot of the names or lo- know a lot of the techniques and the things mm-hmm. that we discussed today, for kind of your average person coming in off the street that just wants to live a, a little bit healthier lifestyle, uh-huh. what is what do you say to that person when they say, why LSRF?
1: Uh, I really, you know, I'll tell you this. I'm never, I will never be the first choice. You know, and the only other person I've heard say that was uh, Michael Jordan's trainer. Typically, we're not the first choice. Because by nature, a lot of people don't want to work for what they get, right? Mm-hmm.
0: They want the easy the easy right. route,
1: right? A lot of people want the easy route. I would, you know, I'm the type of person that can look you in the eye and say, "Look, I am going to take care of you. I promise you. I've been doing this for a long time. All you need to do is show up." Mm-hmm. That's all you need to do. But, you know, time and time again, they never show up. I am not your first choice. Why is that? Why do I say that? If you're so good, why why, you know, why aren't you people's first choice? The thing is, People might come, and then they're gonna say, "Ah, well, man, that shit looks hard. <laughs> you know, I don't know <laughs> if I want to do that." And then, but people gotta bullshit themselves, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll go pay thirty bucks a month and go over here. Mm-mm, that doesn't work. Ten bucks a month, I'll go over here. Here's the thing: I always hear people talk about price. You right? You, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. You absolutely get what you pay for mean you you know i think both of us suffer from uh consumerism right but it's like <laughs> w- why you, we could have used these little cheap ass microphones but you got these nice microphones yeah. right why why did you buy the corvette cuz you like it that's that's you yeah. you're 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 expressing who you are right mm-hmm. and you know why why do you pay 200 bucks a month to come here mm-hmm. you know why do you you know and here, here's probably uh, a good example of, of uh, why, why somebody wouldn't be the, or why I wouldn't be the first choice is because people have to bullshit themselves. They have to say, all right, well, let me pay $10 a month to go here. But, but then I'll question you this, right? You always hear me say, invest in yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the number one thing you can do is invest in yourself. The minute you start shopping price – your health and fitness goes into debt. Think about it like that. Tell me this. If I am bullshitting, I hope somebody comes in here and, or whatever, right? If I am lying, tell me this. You pay $10 a month at the right. I'm Asian. It makes me good at math. $10 a month after 12 months, $120, right? <laughs> at the end of a year, you have spend $120, and you look worse than when you stepped in that <laughs> motherfucker, right? <laughs> but you tell me, look, I'll wait. Tell me on what planet in the universe, right? We can go Avengers and tell me the multiverse. Tell me what, <laughs> where does that equation work? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Yeah. It does not work. You get what you pay for, right? And a lot of times, like I said, I feel that this is the modern-day fountain of youth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I can go anywhere and feel good about what I'm doing. It's not because I lift the weights. It's the community. It's the lifestyle. It's the understanding. It's the education. You know, it's the resources. It's what I do goes so far beyond these gym walls that it's it's not comparable, you know, to be honest. Yeah,
0: and, and I know... For a fact, I'm not the only person that, that has left and, and come back and in spite of leaving, anytime mm-hmm. I, I go, whether it's traveling for work, I mean, you, you know I spent a year living in Corpus Christi. Yeah. And I, conti- I, I always write down my workouts. Yeah. And so while I was down there, I would actually pull out my old book and, and look through and start doing all the workouts. So it is a lifestyle and as we kind of opened on that. It really is a lifestyle that you're able to help these individuals create for themselves, uh-huh. for, for health, fitness, longevity. And, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a lot to that. And you're
1: right. If you, if you think you're going to get a lifestyle for 10 bucks a month, you're, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. It's the same thing with, you know, like people who leave the gym and start their own gyms, right. Mm-hmm. And you pull 20 grand together and you come up with a, you know, 100, 100 grand, right? Mm-hmm. Five people. I told you I'm good at math. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's all part time, right? Yeah. And here's the funny part you're expecting to get people full time results mm-hmm. with part time training, mm-hmm. part time effort. I- I'm back to the chef cooking. He's laughing, right? Yep. Because it, it doesn't make sense, right? And, um, You know, there's. I I like to use this pie chart, and you know, most of the things that I come up with. Now, I can tell you this: the lift strong, run fast ideology is something that that I um, that I created. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's hard. A lot of times, um, people can't say they created something. There's parts of it that I took from a lot of places, right? I can't say that I came up with the squat, the deadlift, the press, you know, the running, any of that stuff. But the delivery system, I can claim that, right? And it was because I went and learned so many different things. So, you know, when when you were talking to people about, like, say – creating a business and having like entrepreneur skills or leadership, that's another thing I look at very differently, right? Because, um, you know, like I said, I try to give credit where credit is due. And I kind of, I remember listening to Simon Sinek, but I put it in my own terms. Okay. So in a pie chart, Okay, when you're running a health and fitness business, if, you know, if I have anything to give people it, you know, it it might be this. It's like in a pie chart. You have your first 10 percent of people, you have your next 40 percent of people and your next 40 percent. And then you have your last 10 percent. Okay, So your first 10 percent are your innovators. Those are the people that know health and fitness is good for them. They're going to do it every day. Those are the people that are you aspire to be like. Well, in that 10%, you got to break it down to five and five, okay? 5% of those people are intrinsically motivated. They can pay $10 a month and go to the gym on their own because they are disciplined. How many people are really disciplined? Very few, right? That's why the number is very low. It's only 5%. The other 5%, are kind of like yourself you you see the benefit of coming to a place like this that has good programming good facility good community it goes beyond the gym walls so that five or ten percent you can market to for sure out of that five or ten or out of that ten percent you're only going to get five percent of those people you got to fight for those five percent because the other the other five like i said are going to ten dollar a month fitness mm-hmm. okay the, the next 40%, those are your early adopters, as Simon Sinek says. And those are people that know health and fitness is good for them, but they need some motivation. But they got, remember, this place is oversaturated now, right? They got, you know, uh, yoga people talking about feeling direction, the erection. They got people talking <laughs> about powerlifting. They got people talking about health and longevity. They've got X, Y, Z. They've got so many options, so there's where a lot of your marketing, word of mouth, all that stuff comes in because you got to fight for those people. We got to try to find, you know, what is your differentiating factor? You know, and believe me, out of that 40%, there's a lot of people to go around, you know, all mm-hmm. this nonsense of uh, you know, health and fitness practitioners talking shit about each other. I mean, it's silly. There's more than enough people, right? I mean, like I said, we're the sickest and fattest we've ever been. Yeah. The next are your late adopters. You know, how many times have you seen it here where a husband will start training? He's an early adopter, but his wife is a late adopter. His wife's like, I'm not doing that shit. It's too hard. It looks Mm -hmm. crazy. You come back fucked up every day, (laughs) right? (laughs) But then after about three months, he starts looking amazing. She's like, honey, you're doing awesome. Like, what are you doing? You know, and she sees a change in him because his dopamine is through the roof. Remember, I told you this is an adrenal. What is live strong, run fast? It's the adrenal response to training stimulus. His dopamine's through the roof. His cortisol is low. He doesn't have a care in the world. He's buying new clothes. He's 18 again. He feels awesome, right? And she sees that and recognizes it. She says, damn. Do they train women there? Do they, you know, and he says, "You know what? At 9:30, there's actually a lot of women there, like you can go try a class." She's intimidated, but she sees something so good in him that she's willing to try it. And she comes in. And all of a sudden, she's hooked. What in reality, what people don't understand is the late adopters actually go harder once they see results than the early adopters. And in the last 10% like Simon Sinek says, those are your laggards. Those people, you know, remember when I was at my house, i go knock on the door with a flyer, and I'd say, hey, I'm the new guy in town, I'm training yep. out of my house. Yep. And I remember the lady answering the door, you know, eating pizza, and she laughed in my face. <laughs> and, and for me, the goal is always, the goal is always to get people to laugh in my face, yeah. right? Because if you're laughing, I know you're recognizing, mm-hmm. you know. But I like, I like using that pie chart because for business owners I think they really need to understand um where are their people coming from sure you might want to only train athletes good luck with that 0.1% of the population mm-hmm. you know uh, i'm just not a i'm just not a big fan of it i've already went through one bottle of sake on my <laughs> <laughs> it's like but um but yeah you know as far as touching on leadership I know me and you have spoke about this, and we have different views on it. And I, I apparently we should have the most leaders in the world at this point in time. <laughs> is all the I've seen every fucking mentorship leadership thing I can read or or supposed to. I don't read that stuff, you know. It's like I feel it's just too much of it, right? Mm-hmm. I think I've told you like like people need to learn how to be a follower. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like being a master, right? How do you know you're a leader? You don't know you're a leader. The other people follow you, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't go around calling myself a leader, you know, like I'm a follower. You know, what's interesting,
0: whenever I was on Henry's podcast a few uh-huh. weeks back, he had, uh, he asked me the question, uh, and I can't remember exactly how he, he worded it, but um, like, how do, I, how do I view my team or, or something like that? And, and my response was, well, I work for them. Yeah. My role is to help them be successful. And, and another thing that comes to mind for me is, and I can't recall off the top of my head who, who said it. Um, maybe it was Steve Jobs, but he talks about, you know, we don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. We hire yeah. smart people to tell us That's what to do. What yeah. to do exactly. Right? And so you're, you're right. There's, there is a superfluous amount of leadership content out there that it's you've got to sift through it and kind of figure mm-hmm. out what makes the most sense for you because there are certain things. I love Simon Sinek. I love Gary Vee and Jocko Willink and they, all of these great, great leaders. But like, I, I'm not Gary Vee. I'm mm-hmm. not Simon Sinek. And I, but I can take certain elements and aspects of what they do and help me become the best version of myself, and it goes back to learning. Always yeah. learning, always trying to find that next person to to bring them into their into your room. You know, we're the sum of the five people around us. Who
1: who are you going to bring into the room? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know, you're bringing around a lot of idiots. Then, damn, <laughs> what do you expect <laughs> of yourself, right? I mean, that's the thing. You know, as a man, you have seasons in your life. You know, you might go through, uh, you know, fatherhood. You might become a business owner. You might, you know become a husband, you might go through a divorce. I mean, there are so many different things that that change you throughout your life and that, you know, without being like super philosophical, like really who are you at any given point in time, you know, because your thoughts can change, your feelings can change. And, you know, I like I said, I, I don't ever feel that I'm a leader. You know, I understand like, hey, I need to show my kids the right thing to do mm-hmm. and do that, you know, but I don't know. I I, I tend to always revert back to uh, George Carlin. You know, he says, we're all selling bullshit. What's the bullshit you're selling? <laughs> you know, and and I like that, you know, because I I tend to not get along with people that, that talk a lot, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, say they can do this, then do that, and I mean, there's one way to find out, right? We we see if you can do it. Yeah, but if you know, I, I mean, and there's a lot of people like that out there, right? I mean, I know people they'll they'll lie to me to start a conversation. I'm like, come <laughs> on, man, like what, <laughs> like motherfucker? I know you. You don't have to lie. We're friends already, right? <laughs> and it's like you know, so. I mean, that's, I don't know. Like I said, with, with and I don't, I definitely don't consider, I don't know. I mean, I guess in my mind, I can say, okay, well, I'm an entrepreneur. I do my own thing. I don't work for corporate. Yeah. Like, I don't know how the hell anybody can work for corporate. Like, it's just. It's horrible. I, it is. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I joke, I have a, a good buddy, Clint, and I always send him pictures when I'm at the park. Be like, man, it's a hard-ass day at work today, man. <laughs> you know? But also, I work my life. You've seen, I mean, look, there was a point in time where I taught uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, four, five, six, seven. And I taught at 12. I don't know if I said 12. So it was like 10 hours a day. And I used mm-hmm. to train three hours, mm-hmm. three yep. sessions a day, right? So it was like crazy. But now, man, I work three days a week, two hours in the morning, two hours at night. On Fridays, I work one hour in the morning, one hour mm-hmm. at night, you know? And I, I even when I'm working, I don't feel like I'm working. Yeah. Like, literally, where we are at now, I feel like I'm about to start a new business. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we are starting a new business. You know? It's 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 still going to be called Live Strong, Run Fast, but it's it's going to be, I mean, above and beyond anything you've seen, yeah. you know? I mean, we've got a lot of good things and works, and I can't... I can't thank David Fam enough. Yeah. You know, he's just he's got a super phenomenal gift of saying this is where this this is where you're at, this is where you want to be, these are the systems and processes that need to be in place to get you there. And I would urge, you know, gym owners or anybody, like find someone like that. Yeah. Don't like don't waste your money on like bullshit leads. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've spent my money on that before. And they would send me to Leeds, and it would be, like, someone in, like, College Station. Like, <laughs> I don't give a shit how good my training is. You're not yeah. driving from College Station here, right? And, um, But, yeah, find someone like that that you can trust, too. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I think there's so many people, like, trying to, you know, get into the health and fitness business. But, you know, your, your real job is a carpenter or your real job is a analyst or something and not to say that it can't happen i i'm just a believer in if you do this part-time you'll get people part-time results yeah. yeah so how do people find you how do people contact you uh i mean my cell phone obviously 281-229-0663 i don't mind giving that out <laughs> but um, yeah through facebook uh liftstrongrunfast.com you can find me on instagram i think facebook is scottwells888 fuck I, you see yeah, i don't I, even do yeah. half of that stuff right yeah. it's like i you know i don't even do a lot of the the nonsense in instagram and facebook and stuff like that like because it's too many you know i remember putting up a post many many years ago and it's always made sense to me and it's made sense to me since and it said you know, like on Facebook, you can check in. Mm-hmm. So I just put like I don't have to check in because I never checked out. Yep. You know, I've never checked out. Like I I'm, remember that. You know, I'm I'm here. It's like I don't understand the check. I mean, I understand it. I'm not a dummy. You know, I'm not fucking Boo Boo the fool. But <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, half of these people to me, social media is the new depression. Mm-hmm. Right? A smile is is really depressed. You know, how many times have you seen people that? They're like, oh, I'm living my best life. But I'm like, hang on. You were, like, about to commit suicide last week. What the <laughs> hell are you talking about? You know? And it's like, it just doesn't make sense because you know it's fake. Yeah. And the thing is, people know it's fake, and they're trying to compete with fake. Mm-hmm. You know? And I refuse to do that. Like, stuff that I put up. That's why, like, even David Fam, he's going to handle all my social media stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't even trust myself to put something out because I might put, well, put I wouldn't something on. I would not trust in. you either. Yeah. But. <laughs> Especially if I keep drinking this sake. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so hopefully, you know, so looking forward, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I feel um, we really kicked it off by starting at the end, the death goal. When, when I'm, what is Lift Strong, Run Fast? Lift strong, run fast has to be ingenious. Why? Because when I'm when when you throw my ashes over the the, uh, what is that the, the hill? Yeah, the hill. And you know when I get my tombstone and all that stuff, I can watch over everybody still, right? I can still run the hill. I can come in here and live. You just won't see me physically, right? But every time you run up to that hill, touch that tombstone, right? Let me know what's up. Give me a five because that's what we want to do. We want to change the lives of people that, you know, want their lives changed because some people don't. But if you're ready to make that commitment, I mean, we're here, right? So that's, that's, that's what I would have to say, you know, is that uh, at the end of the day and the end of time, each time you touch that tombstone, even though it was my end, it's your beginning. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Really, really good stuff. Well, Scott, it's almost time for us to
0: to go train. I'm to not sure out. if you're going to train. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um I'll try. But, I'm, okay, let's see how this works out. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining the show. I could not have asked for someone better to come on, talk about fitness and well-being. So thank you. I definitely, definitely.
1: I, well, I, I think uh, it it was it was good. Um, I, I'm glad. I I don't think we made people fall asleep. So no, I don't think yeah. so. No, this is yeah. good. So it was awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, and let's uh, let's go out there, let's train and get our right. shit together. All right, all right, let's do all it. Right, all right, man. everybody, Thanks, y'all man. have a good one. Thanks, thank guys. you. Bye bye.